Welcome to another exciting episode of The Start Down. I'm so excited to have you here today, um, and really, we have a great guest today, and we are starting our FETC series, which if you've been listening to the podcast, um, I believe this is our third or fourth year. I can't count, so I couldn't tell you exactly which one it is, um, but every year, just new and exciting guests, and today is no different. Um, we have a great guest with us. He's actually my first interview uh, here at the convention, which I'm really excited about. So John Harrington, as I say, no one introduces themselves better than you do, so why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, and we'll get things going. Well, thanks so much. It is uh, exciting to be here and be in person again uh, at a conference is just such a great feeling. Uh, My name is John Harrington. I'm the CEO of Funds for Learning. Uh, We are a company that is focused on helping transform student lives. Uh, We work with schools and libraries across the country, helping them get E-rate funding to purchase internet access and equipment for their school buildings. Awesome. Well, anyone that, that's ever gone into a school knows. Oh, see, sorry, I'm I'm out of my element. So of course, I forgot all my usual things, right? Turning off the phone and all that good stuff. So anyone that knows that's ever worked with schools, we know we got a lot of educational entrepreneurs listening. And, and more importantly, um, anyone that's ever gone into school, if you, if you even live near one, knows right. We don't have money. <laughs> we don't we don't have the money to buy this, or we don't have enough money for that. How are you guys solving that problem? Well, uh, we've. We recognize that uh, we started the company 25 years ago, and you know there was clear that there was this gap between the needs and really then the tools and the resources that are out there. But the, the, there's this big gap, and it's it's bridged by f- funding, financing, yeah. uh, and uh, for the schools that without that without those resources, they won't be able to get those great tools, uh, those great technologies into their classroom. So we focus on a particular funding program. It's called the E-Rate. Uh, it provides uh, up to about $3 billion a year uh, for K-12 through schools, both public and private. Uh, and it really empowers their uh, technology programs. Uh, over 95% of schools and libraries depend on this funding uh, in order to purchase their Internet access, purchase equipment. So what's interesting from a, a business perspective is the fact that for, for, often, uh, for many of the vendors that support these schools, uh, they've got a great tool, they've got a great software package, wonderful hardware, whatever it is that can help impact that student's life. For the school, they will recognize the value, but they just won't have the funding. So whereas a traditional sort of sales environment, uh, it might be making the case for why you need you know X, Y, or Z. But so, so many times in the, the education market, it's not so much about convincing them or selling them on the, the value of that, whatever you're offering, it's connecting them to the funding. Because right. they're like, hey, yeah, we would love to do that. We just don't have any budget for it. And so it's, it's, it creates this whole different dynamic from a sales perspective. Because now, as, a, as a, maybe a business owner, you're not only just sort of thinking about, okay, well, who do we sell to? But they're, oh, by the way, they're probably not the ones paying for it, at least directly. You have to help them find the funding source, make sure that they are aware of what types of funds are available. And in the case of like networking technologies, internet access, it's the E-rate program. For other types of program, maybe it's professional development. You know, there are other, the different title programs or whatever, but for the, for the, the company that's supporting those schools, it's, that's uh, selling to them, all of a sudden now, not only do you have to know what your catalog is of goods and services, you have to know the funding sources and how they map to the, that category, uh, to, uh, to your catalog, because that's the next thing the school is going to ask. Right. Okay, now how do I buy it? So, you know, with that being said, obviously you said you started this, you know, 25 years ago, so this is something that's been around for a while. 
do a lot of schools know about this in districts? You know, is this something that, that's common knowledge? So if I'm going into a school trying to offer something like I don't have money, should we be asking them about their E-rate? Is it something that they know about or, or do most schools you know, not know about this hidden gem, if you will? They know about it. What they may not know is uh, how effectively they are leveraging the program. So think of it like taxes. Yep. Hopefully you know if you're filing your taxes or not. I assume you are. You're an honest looking fella, right? I'm Italian. Yeah, you know, so that's a different podcast. Uh, you, know, you, know, you know you have to do taxes every year. But you don't necessarily know what your deductions are. Oh, could I write this off? Oh, I, you know, I bought this new microphone. Can I write that off as a business expense? Right. So, you know, there's all those sorts of things. So you go into a school district, you talk to them. They know about the E-rate program, just like they know they need to do taxes. But they may not know how effectively they're leveraging it. Uh, if they're if they're applying for the discounts for the things that they could, uh, that's you know that's where it gets much trickier because they may, they just may not know. And oftentimes the the school district officials, they're overworked, underpaid. You know, they got thirty different hats they're wearing. They're 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 making sure the printers are online. Right. And now you're coming in. You've got this great gizmo, and you say, "Hey, are you applying for your e-rate?" You know, it's, for them, uh, their eyes may just kind of glaze over. Like, I don't know. That actually. You know, Sally did that. Now Sally's not here anymore. You know that sort of situation. So it creates a lot of challenges. Uh, you know that are that are different than a typical sales environment. You know, t- typical B two B. You've got something. You go in. You want to buy it. Great. Here it is. Buy it. You know. But in the in the school market, you've got to deal with many of the other challenges that your customer base is facing. And ultimately, you know, when you can help them bridge those gaps and find the funds that they need. Uh, you know they appreciate it. Uh, they're it's a loyal community. You know they're uh, they're not quick to jump ship if they if you if you're there you're providing good value. They they want a partner, but it really takes a partner that's there, not just providing the equipment, but also is sensitive to the timelines, the the protocols they have to follow, the the bidding uh, rules that they may need to. Uh, you know, uh, follow and, and, and just all these other steps that just you don't have in a typical sales environment. It's interesting. You know, and we're here at FETC and, you know, tons of teachers, tons of administrators on the floor there. And more importantly, tons of great companies. You know, I bumped into a, a principal I know and, and we we're talking, he's like, it's changed so much, but it's so amazing every year the way it changes and new technology comes out and things like that. So, you know, tell me a little bit, if, if I'm a teacher or principal, maybe walking down there and I get so excited at this conference, but then I go home, I've got a stack of business cards, things I want to buy, but they go to their, their either district administrator or they, they go to their office and like, wait a second, we don't have the money for this, you know, or they, they, they may not, may know or may not know about their rate. What's the first thing they need to do to kind of get that ball rolling, if you will, which is obviously called you, I would think, right? <laughs> yeah, but what are they going to call me? That's the question. Uh, it, it is about education and it's understanding what those sources are. Uh, right now, there are so many dollars that are still out there kind of in the ecosystem from some of the emergency of, uh, bills that were passed. Uh, ESSER, CARE, there's all sorts of different acronyms. You don't have to even begin to try to understand them all. But knowing that those dollars are there, uh, contacting, uh, for example, your State Department of Education, you know, the, the, there, are, there are millions of dollars right now that are earmarked for technology, for professional development, for uh, all, all sorts of services that wrap around that, kind of there for the taking. Uh, but you have to know about them. You have to know the deadlines, the application process. So it really is 
uh, about finding the funds, and they are out there. They they they, they truly are. But you've got to you've kind of got to start that uh, process of identifying where the funds are, and then you know go after them, and it, and then figuring out who has to apply. So in some cases, it could be an individual school or a school teacher. Uh, I know in the uh, state of Oklahoma, for example, uh, I live in Oklahoma City, and they just announced through the State Department of Education a, a $6 million program for classroom teachers uh, that, to, to get resources. Uh, so these are uh, emergency funds that they are partnering, I think, with uh, donors uh, choose. Yep. And uh, it sounds like a great program. But you, you have to know. you got to research it. Uh, so whether it's at the school level, uh, the classroom level, or, or in many cases, the school district. Like the E-rate program, uh, are, uh, it's central office applications. It's central office staff that you're talking to. Uh, those are the ones that, uh, you know, you, you go in and you talk to and give your proposal to. Well, you know, obviously I'm going to ask you the flip side of that now. So if I'm a business here at, at FETC um, or any convention or, or I'm an educational company, is there something I have to do to be able to accept E-rate dollars or to be able to get that money from the school? What do I have to do as a business to be able to, to kind of make this connection, if you will, with those teachers and administrators? The first thing I tell any anyone that's uh, selling to schools is to to respect the fact that there are uh, procurement rules, regulations they have to follow. You know, that's day one. You just need to know that going in, that, you know, there are certain steps they're going to have to follow. And I've seen too many times where there's a good-intentioned individual with great a great product, and uh, they just uh, sort of get in there, they move too fast, and ultimately uh, it's uh, it's null and void, you know. It's it's denied, deleted, whatever the funding requests, uh, because of a failure to follow the sequence, to dot the i's, cross the t's. And there are steps for both sides. The schools have to follow certain things, and the the service providers have to follow uh, certain protocols. They have to complete a service provider annual certification form. Simple form, not hard to do, but if you don't do that form then the funding that you were hoping that your customer, your school customer was going to get will be held up, could be denied because you didn't do this one form that you have to fill out every year. So, so number one is just respecting the fact that there are protocols, there are rules, regulations, and you can agree with them. You can think they're stupid or not, but you just got to, it's like a speed limit. You know, you're, you, you need to respect it. It's there or you might get pulled over. And in this case, know that you've got to follow those those, those protocols, those guidelines. Then beyond that, it is then really understanding what the different funding sources are and where those map. And then talking to your sales teams, you know, if you've got, uh, it's, it's, it is a very different sales environment than you than selling to a, a typical business. And those, those salespeople need to come in and they need to know that schools are looking for partners. Uh, you know, don't talk about customers, talk about students. And and that is and that is ultimately what we're doing. You know, it's it is, I think, one of the most satisfying markets in the world to serve, because you are impacting student lives. You know, and you got a great, a great new software package that's gonna that the teachers are gonna love, that the students are gonna love. That is awesome. That is truly gonna impact those students' lives, which is what makes it worthwhile. Then following those rules and following the deadlines and knowing that it's just. It's different. You know, it's a slower, uh, you don't get to uh, close business as, as quickly. It's usually, you know, you talk to that IT director and she says, oh, I love this. 
we'll put it in next year's budget. <laughs> You're like, what? I was hoping to, like, I thought we could sign this thing today, yeah. you know? And that's yeah. uh, understanding that timing. Guess what, though? That pipeline, once you, once, once you start to fill it, it's going to continue to flow and be very consistent. Well, yeah, it is a long sales cycle in education. <laughs> it definitely is. Well, you know, obviously you mentioned, you know, kind of the great things you guys are doing. There's no better industry to serve than education, right? And there's no better uh, industry to be in. And you mentioned they're not really customers, they're students, you know. And I think seeing, knowing that you're impacting kids, um, you must have a success story that you love to tell, you know, of, of where either a school or a business um, that's been able to be helped through this program and through what you do. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, I'd love to. I think that the biggest success story uh, is two years ago with the pandemic. And so it's, it's not an individual success story, but it's a big one. And I'll tell you, and I, I think a lot of times people, they miss the significance of what schools were able to do two years ago when they sent students home for remote learning. Now, I will be the first to admit that it was imperfect. It, it was stop and start. And there was so many things that were many opportunities to improve the experience, no doubt. And students were able to go home and so many of them able to connect online to see another student's face, to see their teacher's face. And as, as bad as that time may have been for them, how much worse it would have been if they weren't even able to connect like that. Uh, most of that happened because of the work that had been taking place for years. So schools uh, you know, we funds for learning. We're 25 in, years into this. We've been working for more than two decades to help schools get connected. What are they doing with those connections? Well, they're putting wireless access points and getting laptops and starting to put learning management systems and all of that infrastructure in place. That when they sent students home, guess what? Those tools were still there. Those resources were still there. And if we had to start at zero two years ago, it wouldn't have happened. It would. It, there would have been nothing taking place. Uh, so I think that, to me, the biggest success story is that all of these IT directors, all these unsung heroes for years have been building these networks, have been getting this infrastructure in place, and then two years ago, the world kind of stops, gets turned upside down, and all of a sudden, being able to leverage those resources in a new way kind of kept the light on for a lot of school districts for a while. And again, now... It's there's a we've learned a lot now and it's going to be even better in the future. But that was because of actually the work that was taking place on campus laid the groundwork for them to be able to go off campus. And now and now hopefully we can really see the fruition of that true anywhere, anytime learner, uh, the seamless sort of connectivity so that students have persistent connections. They can get online when they need to do their homework, watch the lesson, flip classroom. All this stuff, uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic about where we're going to be uh, two years from now. I think it's a very exciting time to be a part of education technology. Yeah, yeah it threw gasoline on the educational fire, if you yeah. will. I think we, we, it was always all the excuses, like, oh, we can't do that. We can't do remote learning. We can't do this much at home. We can't flip the classroom completely. It's like, well, okay, let's try it, you know? Um, and I think we were able to see those changes in that direction. Well, you know, this is fascinating, John. Now, if you don't mind, I want to focus a little bit on you. Um, you mentioned the history of this company. I mean, obviously, how did this whole thing come about? How did you decide, hey, wait a second, there's a business I need to start. And then how did you even come up with this idea to, to go in this direction? Well, I would love to take uh, credit for it. Actually, a business mentor of mine uh, had, uh, I had gone to work for a startup business and uh, that failed famously. Uh, and through that process, though, I got acquainted with uh, an individual, an attorney in Washington, D.C., and he saw that the E-rate program 
was being created. He assumed that there would be need for assistance, forms, and deadlines, and all this stuff. And so he thought, hey, you know what? I think this there might be an opportunity here to really support schools and libraries. So he gave me a call, and I had just left this company that had fallen apart. And uh, he said, hey, are you interested? I don't know what I can pay you or anything. And I said, well, I'm used to kind of not getting paid now for a couple months. Yeah. And sure, what the heck? And so we started it. Uh, and that was back in 1997. And uh, we just started sort of uh, feeling our way through this program kind of in the dark as it was being created. It, it taught me an important lesson that change really is opportunity. Yep. Uh, you know, there was the, this creation of a new federal program and all of the uncertainties and questions and new forms that created this need uh, that we were able to step in and help fill. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll study all these regulations. We'll figure out the forms, and then we'll come in. So you, you focus on taking care of your network and taking care of your classrooms. We'll read the rules, and then we'll come to you and let you know, okay, hey, you know, here's, here are the rules, and here are the things that can qualify for a tax deduction sort of yeah. situation. Now, what do you want to do? And, and, and it just sort of has blossomed from there. We currently support uh, 4.6 million K-12 students nationwide. Uh, about 10,000 school and library facilities all across America. Uh, we have uh, helped our applicant customers apply for $3.5 billion uh, in support for Internet access and connectivity. And I look back on that, and it's, it's, I kind of marvel at it. It's really cool. And, but I go back to the point that, first of all, uh, you know, I didn't create the E-rate program. Uh, Congress did. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and, you know, and someone else even had the idea for it. Uh, yeah. He wasn't involved in the day-to-day -day operations, but he sort of saw this need, this new opportunity, and we stepped into it. And uh, and here we are 25 years later, yep. still navigating change, yeah. uh, still identifying those opportunities to help serve and support our clients. And it's it's really fulfilling, you know, being able to see how, uh, at the end of the day, we are getting these resources to schools that we're, we are making a difference. And, uh, I, you know, I, I feel really fortunate to get to do it. Wow. Yeah. I, I love that. Someone said something nice about Congress. See, that's nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Today, at least, right? Well, you know, if you look at um, what, what you're around, right, schools uh, and businesses, and we know a lot of teachers. I was in Startup Alley, and I saw a lot of these companies in there are, are founded by teachers, right? Um, and then you look at even some of the bigger ones that are out there. Like I said, I've been coming here for, for a little over a decade. I remember uh, things like Schoolology and some of those other companies starting in small groups and uh, small booths, actually, I should say, and growing to have basically almost you know half the floor at some some points throughout the years. What advice do you have, though, to teachers that are, that are maybe in the classroom that are like, hey, I want to go out and I want to start a business that's going to help education across the country? Um, because you see a lot of teachers, you see a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, businesses, what advice would you give them if they're thinking about starting their own educational company, either in the ed tech space or anything that would impact education? Uh, I have, I'm a member of an organization called EO. It's Entrepreneurs Organization. It's a global organization, 15,000 companies worldwide, entrepreneurs. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it provides a great framework for talking to other business owners and, you know, sort of learning from them. And the one thing I've learned over the years is that there are certain basic tenets of business that apply whether you are starting a education software company or a diner or running probably a, an aer aerospace manufacturing firm. Yep. You know, there are just some of those principles are, uh, are, are just consistent. They're like laws of gravity. And so I think if anyone has the idea to 
fill that need over there. Oh, there's a, you know, there's a new federal uh, program coming. We can help address that. Uh, fantastic. Understand that all of your passion, all of your expertise, knowledge around that is it's going to serve you well. It needs to have coupled with it basic business support, uh, you know, basic uh, uh, finance. You know, there's just a lot of things that you can't escape. And, and recognizing that, either developing your own skills in that arena or, or partnering with someone that does. Yeah. You know, if you don't know how to balance the checkbook, that's cool. Get somebody that does. Yeah. You know, and make sure that they can tell you yes or no on whether you can, you know, you can spend that money, you know, to invest in the business. You really need those sort of counterweights within the organization. So I would say it, it's it's related but very different skill set, and just recognize that that no matter how great your idea is, it's like the, it's like a great chef. You know, oh, I love to cook. I'm a great cook. That has nothing to do with running a restaurant and keeping the the doors open and all of that. So just recognizing that. Uh, you've, you, you need to either invest yourself in building those muscles, so to speak, those yeah. business muscles, or find someone that does. Right. Right. No, such a great point, you know. Um, and it's sometimes focusing on the passion versus building the business, right? I think the rest of the analogy is great. Well, this has been fun. I've got some rapid questions I'd like to ask, if that's okay. You can hold on to the mic while I'm asking them. There is no wrong answer, but I'll be honest with you, there's some I like better than others. Um, and then, uh, then we'll wrap things up. Sound good? Perfect. All right, here we go. You ready? Ready. You're going to go uh, Mac or PC? PC. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Google Drive or Dropbox? Dropbox. All right. And uh, a book recommendation? Predictably irrational. All right. Excellent. Any podcast recommendation? Oh. <laughs> What's the name of your podcast? The Start Down Podcast. There you go. The Start Down Podcast. Hands I'll, down. I'll take this up. I got a book, too, if you want to recommend <laughs> it, but <laughs> we'll go for there. John, this has been great. If people want to learn more about you and, and find out about your program, you know, um, how to hook up with Funds for Learning um, and learn more about E-Rate, how can they find and connect with you? They can find us online, fundsforlearning.com, or uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, J.D. Harrington. Awesome, awesome. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, John. This has been great. This is The Start Down. I am Mike Ficarra, your host. Startdown.com for more great episodes like this. MikeFicarra.com for more information about me, and I will see you on the next episode.